0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Einstein and Go-Go. I'm Dr. Shane, a big thank you to the doctors for bringing us through to 11 o'clock. We have a cracker of a show for you folks today. It is going to be wild, and no doubt I will make a few mistakes on the panel because I'm just, frankly, not up to it. <laughs> it's a bit complicated. Uh, we have in the studio Andrea from The Bomb, or as my seven-year-old calls her,
1: The The Bomb. bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, morning. Dr.
0: Shane. <laughs> uh, you know what can I say? You know he's he's a smart kid, and Dr. Lauren.
1: Good morning. You well? I'm very well, thank you. Sober. Very well. Very sober. Excellent. <laughs> you are putting my name in very bad reputation at the moment.
2: Just base them back. Science guys. Chris KP. G'day, mate, How you doing? I'm good. Are you well? I am well. I've uh, recently returned from Alice Springs. I, yeah. I'm finding the adjustment. Um, <laughs> oh, look, I'm getting there. I'm fine now. I'm speeding up again. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly. Speeding up. Were you up there for a gig, Woo! Yeah, yeah. We're touring around the, the red dirt centre. It's, really, it's great. It's fantastic. If you haven't been yeah. to the middle, go there. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Mm. Uh, I agree.
3: Yeah. It's amazing. Mm. Mm. Uh,
0: yeah. Totally rocks. And we have Liv's doing our Twitter feed. She's in the studio. She won't say anything because she's, you know,
2: only does her graveyard shift talking. She won't talk. <laughs> she listen very carefully. Much. She's you too can, good for can, us. If you listen really close, you can hear her knuckles squeaking as she races across the key. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that I was in the lift uh, the other day in the Royal Melbourne Hospital, and there was a nurse there who was typing on her phone, and with two thumbs, and she could do she could do words quicker with two thumbs than I can do with my entire hands on the keyboard. Mm. Wow. And I was just watching her, fascinated. I was like, "Holy crap! Mm-hmm. I'd what? be there for a week typing that out."
1: Have you seen children doing yeah. it? It's insane. Like you watch them, you're like, "That's amazing!"
0: Yeah. Did you go see what happened yesterday? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you go. Yeah, yeah, you're the <laughs> The new Star Wars promo oh, came hi, out. Hi, I'm hi, sorry. Hi. <laughs> Did. come on yeah. i i know you know election stuff but frankly don't care um the new stuff i mean the bit i love is the cracker JJ Bra- J abrams gives you at the end which is it's not even december 18 2014 no this coming comes out December 18, 2015. Suck that, folks! You got to wait a whole year in a bit. Is that,
2: is, that is, it, is, that, is that? CGI related? The fact that they can show you, a, you know, a pretty, a pretty reasonably complete yeah. teaser, mm. and it's more than twelve months away. away. Like, is that because they've got a whole lot of computer work to do still? I don't know. <laughs> or did they just film the teaser? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I don't know. Well, they're still doing Harrison Ford's makeup. I mean, to get here, it's going to yeah. gonna take a good six. Yeah, months. It's more so landscape yeah. sculpting yeah. than anything oh, else.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> It'll be fun. Um, But, yeah, I was very excited for a moment. So um, then I realized how long I had to wait. Let's get into some science. Uh, We might start with you, Weather Girl. Uh, Just a quick update on today. I mean, my prediction is sunny.
3: Yep. There's a bit of cloud. Bit I'm of quack. So <laughs> I have to
0: say, there? <laughs> I've been very excited by this new way in which the weather has been reported. Yeah. Late. The, you know, mm. the percentage of chance, you know, it's, it actually makes some ask, sense.
3: Does it? Because yeah. I'm getting a lot of people don't like it. It's really funny. Bugger off. You know, everyone complained <laughs> that they didn't know what isolated scattered
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now
3: they want it back again. No, so, no, no. Come no, on, Peter. No, you can't, <laughs> Stay you can't with put it back <laughs>
0: You cannot put that back in the box. Mm.
3: No, I think it's quite you know, good.
0: Yeah. And for those people, the Earth is not flat. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to move on It's great, it's, it's a lot clearer And it does, um, and do you so. remember On our last show, I mentioned that Rain app and said, wouldn't it be great if it had Your location, blah blah blah, yeah. well guess what No, they updated it <gasps> did not, they? not that it had anything to do with our conversation
3: oh, But, oh, but after it would have been years, So much better if it did <laughs>
0: I, oh, Well, I am saying, is there a coincidence like There? Maybe <laughs> <Yes>. Maybe, <laughs> but yeah, now it does That's
3: that awesome.
0: So, uh, oh, well done yeah, So, we, you know, have. Oh, <laughs> There's a whole lot of other apps I'm going to go through later in the show that I want <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so tell us.
3: Yeah, well, um, you may have noticed it's quite humid out there today.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah.
3: Sweating a little bit this morning doing some gardening. So, uh, yeah, high humidity, <laughs> high chance of showers, bit of a chance of some thunderstorms today. So top, top mm. of 34. So just before we head into summer, it's really feeling like summer. And a reasonably yeah. high
2: risk of localised uh, wet patches and you know, yeah. perspiration. Yeah
3: getting a bit hot in like here a,
2: it's a small studio <laughs> isn't it okay so yeah,
3: yeah so we've got a good chance of some storms today um, probably the eastern suburbs more so than the the western suburbs. Um, but yeah, as we head into the week, still a chance of some storms tomorrow. Although again, more in the eastern suburbs and actually probably more in the uh, eastern part of the state. Um, but look, we're getting we don't have a temperature um, forecast this week of below twenty degrees. So I'm pretty excited about that.
0: Mm, we're staying to get to Finally. That point. yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been it's been pretty cool. A lot well, of
3: You probably think that, but did you hear that October was actually Australia's warmest October on record? On record. By. Two point eight degrees, which is huge. Like that's a really? massive deal.
1: That's a hot yeah, yeah that's smashed previous October record. So. Wow. so that's obviously the minimums are higher than normal because it didn't feel like the maximums were I
3: think overall one. their maximums overall. were but yeah, I think the minimums definitely mm. definitely a lot warmer. Mm. So
1: I do feel as though I got my tomatoes in a bit
0: earlier this year.
3: Mm. I'm harvesting.
0: Yeah. You're harvesting. Well, tomatoes. not tomatoes. Oh, right. but, beans but snow and peas and yeah, yeah yeah, all coming out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, loving mm. it's great so, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Doctor Lauren?
1: I'm just thinking about my tomatoes now. I've got to go home and check them. <laughs> I haven't checked them for a few days.
0: Well,
2: if they're green.
1: They're yeah. watering. <laughs> you make fry green tomatoes like the movie. Oh,
2: boy. If they're brown it's too late. Like
1: that movie. <laughs> Right, So, I'll, I'll bring it back to a bit, bit of science. Um, and this was actually something <laughs> like, like Andrea's no, stuff no, on no. the side. <laughs> no. Oh, thank you. Fried green tomatoes. The <laughs> <referring> to <laughs> <you>. <laughs> I mean, that is not what I meant. <laughs> I'll give you, you know, the benefit uh, of the doubt. <laughs>
0: just <joke. a meteorologist laughs> get the raw end of the stick in this country, i tell
1: you. <laughs> oh, that is not what I meant. I was we've made,
0: made Andrea famous. That's why we've made her famous. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, now I'm going to talk about dogs and cats drinking water, so it's not particularly high science, but it's very interesting mm. stuff. So um, this was a little bit in the in the media this week, but it's um, a very interesting look at the reason that dogs basically are such messy drinkers. And anyone that's listening that's got a dog will know that, you know, cats <laughs> drink water nicely and the, the kitchen <laughs> sounds nice. They've
0: got smaller heads. Has that got something to do with
1: it? No, well. Yes and no. It's really more to do with the fluid dynamics of the <laughs> way they drink.
0: You know, as a scientist, it can't yeah. be yes, yes and no. <laughs> Pick a <laughs> <way>. But I'll <laughs> <but> explain. <laughs> let, let
1: me explain. All right. it, it, it's, it is to do with the size if you're a dog, but not if you're a cat. Okay. Cryptic. Um, so basically the, the theory used to be that cats and dogs drank differently. So they're both obviously quite similar animals and one of the main similarities is that they can't suck in liquids. So they have different cheeks and jaws to humans and that's why they can't swallow like we do. They can't, you can't give them a water bottle basically. Um, and so the reason for that is that humans are able to get negative pressure in their cheeks whereas dogs and cats can't so they have to lap up the water. And it used to be thought that it was because the dogs actually... Um, scooped up. So they made their tongue into like a little funnel and they scooped the water up. That's actually now been shown not to be true. And what happens with both cats and dogs is that they use their tongue to actually generate a, a column of water. So... Listen to me on this one. It's a little, a little bit complicated to explain on the radio. But what you, what the cat will do is actually put its tongue on the surface of the water, and then pull it away really quickly. Oh! And that actually drags a column of water up yes. after their yep. tongue. Now the interesting thing is, this is where you've got two competing forces. So there's the inertia of the water following the tongue. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you've also got the gravity trying to pull the water back down to the bowl. Yeah. So what the cat has to do is actually close its mouth really quickly. So it's oh, actually yeah. a timing thing. Yeah. Exactly. And so uh, Chris KP was telling me that he's actually tried this. Mm, totally. And it's a bit more challenging than it sounds. With apparently. a cat or yourself? <laughs> yes, but I was wondering.
2: Well, I observed the cat. Um, you know, I was at one <laughs> with the cat. <laughs> I tried to think like the cat. Uh, and then eventually gave up and said, you know, screw you, you've had longer to, to do it than I have. <laughs> It's it's quite difficult because, as you say, Mm. if you think of a cat's mouth, it is quite small. And so, as the water gets dragged up, there's, in my mind, a critical point when it's just small enough, that bubble, if you like, of water to get in its mouth. If it misses that, it gets a face full of water or it gets thirsty, which I did several
1: times. (laughs) (laughs) So what they've recently found is that dogs actually do this too so it used to always be thought that dogs drunk differently to cats but it actually is the same sort of mechanism but what they do is they use their entire tongue so the cats just use the tip of their tongue the dog uses their entire tongue so what the reason they're so much messier is they're slapping their entire tongue into the water bowl and slashing everywhere now where I thought it got quite interesting is you think about dogs the small dogs always seem to drink more cleanly than the bigger dogs so if anyone has a Great Dane or a Labrador Mm. that that would be me. Yes. Yes. Very, very sloppy Labrador. They pretty much flood the kitchen, don't they? Yes, very much so. <laughs> and so, whereas I've got a small dog who's actually quite clean when he drinks. And the reason actually <laughs> is to do with the fact that because they have a bigger tongue, they're obviously getting more water in, but they actually have to open their mouths wider. That a smaller dog, in, in proportion. So they actually have to open their mouth quite a lot wider, which is why they end up... So, so
2: backsplash is essentially the problem. Pretty
1: much, which is even grosser yeah. when you are about it. It is. Little, it little wrong, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. But so big cats are quite different. So big cats um, don't actually have to do that. Because they're using the tip of their tongue, all they have to do is actually just slow down the rate that they're lapping the water at, and it actually just helps to keep that balance of the inertia and the gravity you know, in equilibrium mm. so that they don't have to open their mouth as wide. There you go.
0: Jeez, I tell you what, I wasn't sure where that was gonna go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so the moral of mm. the story is just, you know, accept that your dog's gonna be messy and get the mop ready whenever they have a drink.
2: Or um And try it at home. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously yeah, do try oh, it. Oh, yeah, get, get a bowl get some, of water uh, and get your tongue into it. But not yeah. with the
3: dog's bowl. No. On the sounds of things.
2: Oh look, you know, if it's convenient, if you're close to your pet. <laughs> yeah. Doctor nice. Lauren tried it, but she <laughs> <laughs> She couldn't get the force needed to, you know, (laughs) anyway, it just didn't work. Chris K.P. Look, I've just just noticed something. I just read that uh, apparently today on the 30th of November in 1609... Mm-hmm. Galileo became the first person to look at them through a telescope. Is that right? Oh, oh, today. Oh, 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 oh. There yeah. we go. There we go. It might not be true, but I read it on read it online. It must be true. <laughs> must be true. Um, and What I what I was going to briefly mention was uh, graphene. If you don't know about graphene, graphene is is it's made of carbon, but it's basically essentially a one atom thick layer of this stuff, and it's sort of been you know put out there as being the great new material for a million and one reasons. It conducts electricity. Um, it's got extraordinary strength to weight ratio. It's like it's super super strong compared to like steel, for example. Um, But it's also a really uh, non-permeable membrane, so a lot of things that can get through other things... can't get through graph reads, essentially block stuff out. (laughs) And in fact, it blocks out so much stuff that is very, very small, that for a long time, scientists assumed, and and by the way, guys won a Nobel Prize for finding this stuff Mm. Mm. just a couple of years ago. Yeah, Mm. not not long ago. Um, But they figured that, okay, nothing's going to get through this, which in itself is very useful Mm. and and very interesting, but there was, a few guys wanted to test this out a bit more, because they said, well, how small can we get? Mm. I mean, let's not try and pass through you know, um, an atom. Let's see if we can pass through, you know, charged particle, like a single proton. If we can get that through, then we know this stuff. If we we can't get that through, this is really sort of filtering. And so they tried it, and they were wrong, because they do get through. Now, why is it interesting that you can get uh, a single proton through? Well, a single proton is kind of most of a hydrogen atom, mm-hmm. and these things are hanging out in the atmosphere in trace elements. They're very, it's very small amounts, but they're out there. Now, what this means is that if you pass the atmosphere, that is to say the air, mm-hmm. um, you know, through a, a sheet of graphene, most of the stuff that's going to be on the other side of it when it's filtered is these tiny little charged hydrogen ions. Mm. And they are useful because they are the thing that actually makes hydrogen fuel cells work. Ah. Now, if you think about it now, the, the number one source, you know, for, for practically for hydrogen fuel cells is water. Mm. And you got to charge that up with electricity so it splits up the hydrogen and the oxygen bits and then you can use the hydrogen to do stuff. You can burn it and make more water again mm. and this energy. But if you can just gather this stuff by hanging out in the atmosphere, mm. then you are a step closer to doing that without having to add energy to it. And it's just a matter of separating this stuff that already exists. The reason that no one tries to get hydrogen, you know, protons, if you like, out of the atmosphere normally is because there's just too few of them to Mm. bother with the effort. But if graphene can do this, we are one step closer to an extraordinarily cool way of of essentially fueling new fuel cells.
1: That's fantastic. One more more Mm. thing
0: for the miracle product. A miracle mm. product. It, well, I mean, it has uh, gone from, you know, numero uno, no one cares, to, uh, you know, extraordinary amounts of work yeah. over just a couple of years, mm. which, uh, you yeah, Nobel Prize will do that to a material. Yeah, it helps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Raise you your know. profile a bit. Yeah. Now, uh, <laughs> just quickly, uh, with regards to, you know, responses to climate change, um, there's, you know, a lot of this geoengineering work is um, being done around the world. Now, if you haven't heard about this, folk. Uh, Folks, this is where we try and modify the atmosphere or modify the world in some way to compensate for the fact that we've modified the world. (laughs) an outstanding idea um it's kind, but, of
1: like, kind of like cane toads being cane toads with yeah us, you know?
0: yeah but these are really yeah. big cane toads kind of like <laughs> the size of the moon um anyway, <laughs> <laughs> there's it's interesting um there's some work that's being pushed at the moment in particular by a guy named john dykema from harvard university apparently small university somewhere in the u.s uh don't worry about that but uh <laughs> And it's, it's all about a, they're pushing essentially to start doing trials in the atmosphere of small geoengineering experiments. Now, if you think about it, what they want to do is deal with one of two problems. Mm. Problem number one is too much sunlight getting to the ground. So one way to deal with that is to make the clouds more reflective. Mm. Uh, or problem number two is that when after the sunlight hits the ground and you get heat coming back out, uh, the clouds, unfortunately, and other p- particles in the atmosphere Keep that heat in, so it's like Act a big a blanket, blanket. Mm. and um, and so that you know results in what we call you know we used to talk about a lot more the greenhouse effect. Mm. 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 Now, so if they could potentially change one of these two things, um, you might be other you know cool down the planet, but. I have to say, the the negatives of this type of approach are extraordinary. And one is, it kind of implies we can still keep pissing away at the environment Mm, and not have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other problems with CO2 in the atmosphere, like acidification of the oceans, which actually is probably the thing that's going to kill us off rather than anything Uh else. Uh So this doesn't really deal with that. Mm -hmm. uh, In the second case, I would say, you know, anything that tampers with the atmosphere Mm. i mean we kind of don't really understand completely the implications of what we're currently doing so the idea that you would try and tweak that environment whoa you know it's pulling a thread from a thousand jumpers and not knowing which one it also
2: it also just sounds like you know it's like someone who's been a, a really heavy smoker who, uh, you know, has a, as a result, has got heart trouble and throat trouble and bad teeth and difficulty with their, with their liver and mm. and then just sort of dealing with those as one separate problem after one separate problem after yeah, one separate problem. After. Absolutely. It's, it's a much more complicated issue.
0: So I have to say, you know, although this is um, getting some airplay and it was uh, they published a, a roadmap for these proposals in the Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society um, in the last week, I have to say I hope these things really get knocked on the head. It's, it's,
2: I think it's really interesting scientifically. Yeah. I, I really think it's genuinely fascinating the idea that there are there are changes and mm-hmm. we understand them enough to be able to make some you know, to alter them in some way, but I, I think I agree. I don't think it's, yeah. it's not a good approach to go down to in actually doing.
0: No. And, uh, you know, if you want to try
2: it, try it on another planet. <laughs> yeah. you, know, um, yeah. you know, Mars. Yeah. Go for yeah. it. I, I th- go yeah. nuts. I, th- I think we've, com- we've compromised our experimental planet, planet so much already. <laughs> uh, <that> <laughs> Earth too is the place to go. Oh, yeah. Hey, that reminds me.
0: Uh, two amazing things for 2015, folks. New Star Wars film. Sorry, I have to mention it again. And, but before that, we get a midway excitement break in July when we oh. get our first craft to Pluto. Mm. Yes. Oh. I mean, 2015 That's is, going to, be, that is it's going to be the year of awesomeness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm calling it early. Mm-hmm. You're it, calling it very early. Well,
4: That's
3: <laughs> you know. only a month till we're there. Yeah, early.
0: exactly. We're almost there. Thank I'm you, so Angela. not organised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris K.P., he's always the same. Uh, you know. through <laughs> We have got an artist in the studio, her name is Svenja Kratz and she has uh, some amazing work mm. that's being uh, put on at the moment down here in Melbourne. Welcome Svenja, how are you going?
5: Yes, thank you so much for um, having me on the show.
0: Look, it's it's absolutely great to have you in because when I read the um, the brief of what you were doing, I thought... This is not what we normally see in, in art. Um, tell us a bit about the, um, the experimenter Recharge Exhibition, first of all. Um, it's on all the way through till the 21st of February, I understand, at the RMIT Gallery. What sort of things are people going to see there?
5: Um, there's actually an amazing diversity of work, so using both really cutting-edge new technologies and then also sort of revisiting sort of more um, sort of archival technologies mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing sort of um, showcase of contemporary new media works. So so i really encourage everyone to go down there. There's an amazing work by Aiwara, who's a Japanese right, artist, yep. and that was probably one of the ones where it's sort of very meditational, and I don't want to give too much away, mm-hmm. but there's this moment where it sort of all sort of rewinds again, and you get this amazing sort of sped-up symphony. So it's worth sort of just sitting there and right. watching it, and then actually watch it rewind again. It's okay. absolutely amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah, very visual, very motion and, and, yes, and things yes. that people don't expect normally. Oh,
5: yeah, yeah. absolutely. So there's also um, sort of 3D glasswork that's all multiple screens amazing right. you know, really awesome
0: mm. now tell us about your art because uh, you know this is going to sound a bit free- and people are having not breakfast so we're going to be careful how we describe it. but there's dead body there's dead people in your artwork
5: well I wouldn't go to say that there's dead people in the artwork. It's more that it actually incorporates DNA from a cell line, which is from a girl who's yep. um, most likely long deceased. Mm-hmm. So there, there is no dead people oh. in my work, unfortunately. Bummer. So... <laughs>
0: <laughs> you did come in with a suitcase. We thought maybe. Anyway, so, t- <laughs> t- tell us about that. What's what's the purpose of choosing to put so some sort of biological medium of this type into into the art itself?
5: So, for me, this work is really sort of talking about my experiences of working um, as an artist mm-hmm. at the Institute of Health and Biomedical Innovation, where I was actually trained to work with cells and tissues. Mm-hmm. And this work is sort of talking about my experience of culturing the South Two cell line, which was a bone cancer cell line established in 1970. Um, from the bone cancer lesion of an 11 year old girl called Alice Um, and I've named her Alice um, just to kind of re-embody her again and so um, I was working on these cells and then at one point I actually got a fungal infection in my cultures and had to throw them all out and at the time it was really devastating but then I kind of saw this as an opportunity to actually sort of start working with um, microbiology and seeing the beauty of a fungus and mould and bacteria and all of those sorts of things so this work really sort of talks about the literal infection of the cells, but then also these ideas of transformation and becoming. And so the work actually incorporates an agar face component, which is like the face of Alice, which contains um, the DNA from the SARS-2 cells and will actually grow for the duration of the exhibition with different funguses and moulds, and that will all be based on the actual environment. So here in Melbourne, when it tours, there'll be different microbes in the environment,
0: so it'll grow different things. Well, Andrew just told us the humidity's up, so this, this is Good for
5: your Prime. artwork. It, it, yes. So I actually <laughs> tested it in Brisbane.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> Grow like the clappers up there, wouldn't <laughs>
5: Yeah, So in Brisbane, it's like three days and you've got crazy growth, whereas yep. here, you know, it's going to take probably a little bit longer to establish um, yeah. some of the, the
0: growth. Well, this I have to say, I. I you know, I've been to a lot of different art galleries around the world, and I, I don't recall ever seeing a piece of art that biologically changes in this way. Do due, due the growth, I mean, is this something that's relatively newer? Are other people doing this?
5: Um, oh, absolutely. In, Australia is actually one of the leaders mm. in mm-hmm. bioart, and particularly Perth and yep. at Symbiotica, which has now been around for t- oh, like 10 years. And they've been, mm. you know, pioneering work primarily in sort of fields of um, tissue engineering and things like yep. that. So it is, you know, a semi established. Um, genre, but it's gaining increasing recognition, which is fantastic. Yeah,
0: indeed.
3: I'm just really curious, were you an artist before you got interested in science, or were you interested in science and then you got into art? I'm absolutely an artist. So
5: I've just been very fortunate to have incredibly supportive scientists that were willing to train me and take me on and also allow me into their research labs and trust me not to, you know, do dodgy things and contaminate their work and all that sort of stuff. So I've just been very lucky. Mm.
2: I'm, uh, you probably know that um, Alexander Fleming, among others, mm. produced mould art, which is essentially portraiture made of various moulds that you wouldn't be able to see until they grew, which is a similar idea. The difference, of course, is that your stuff is actually part of the art experience, is watching it change and grow. Do you also work in, in bio art in a, in a more static sense? Do you get things to a, for want of a better phrase, an end point?
5: Um, I produce a range of different things. So I have had works where I'll actually just actually um, fix the cells and incorporate them as part of sculptures as well. And I've done sure. um, small miniature dioramas that include um, hide of fetal calves where I've isolated their cells and that's put a part of a component. So I sort of create a variety of things that connect to technologies, my mm-hmm. experience, the histories of the
1: technologies and the organisms.
2: Mm, yeah, cool.
1: So um, these sorts of art sound like they're obviously a fair bit of work in sort of maintaining them. So I'm assuming that you have to really look after the art as it's as it's flourishing, or can you kind of go away for a few days and come back?
5: It really depends. So with this work, it's um, because it's touring and I'm not going to be going with the mm-hmm. show, um, I, I've just actually made it so that it can just grow and it doesn't actually need much maintenance because it's in a sealed dome. Mm-hmm. Um, it has one opening, but it has um, a filter so that there's right. not going to be any okay. spores going out yeah. into the environment, and then you can just leave it. Mm-hmm. And so the actual projection, it's also got a video. Component in it, and the per- the video and the um, lights will actually warm it. So even if it's in um, nice. a an air conditioned environment, it'll still have enough um, warmth to grow.
0: It's fascinating. When I I haven't seen it live, but looking at the pictures of it, it kind of has this almost uh, look like you know it's a Jurassic Park style mm-hmm. shrouded in mist island with a dome ah. over it. It's sort of. It's. Um, I mean, how do you create that? Uh, I suppose how do you determine what you want to go where in in that kind of piece? I mean, it seems that your starting conditions are everything, aren't they? Is that?
5: Yeah, and it, it all just depends. And for me, it's very much an experiment. And this is now mm. the eighth instance, so I've sort of had quite a lot of time to experiment to see how it grows. I've done a variety of different ones that have also incre- included seeds and things like that. Mm. So it also sort of grows um, vegetation as part of the process as well. Mm. So it's always um, very different. But there's always a. It's always open to chance and the unexpected. Yep.
0: Which yep. Is like people both- like Chris walking by and. Yeah. sneezing yeah. um that you, you uh, you're in an odd spot in a, in a way in terms of art because there, there's always this historical collection of information with regards to art but yours changes and then presumably you know at some stage dies and gets thrown out how do you, or maybe you do keep it a <laughs> um, fridge dry or something but um, in the back of your fridge but um how do you how do you actually capture what you've done for, for yourself and, and for those who've seen it uh,
5: largely just through documentation mm-hmm. so that's how the work sort of lives on and a lot yep. of my works get remade, and I don't really like showing the same work a number of times. So often mm. there'll be different components; they'll get reimagined, and that's why also for *Experimenter* this is now the eighth one. So it allowed right. me to um, take it to into another direction. Yep. Um, and But I do also do some works that have a little bit more um, archival quality. But it's sort of always tricky because I actually did these drawings, and they incorporated mm. like um, uh, uh, basically a protein, a mutant protein that I made in the Netherlands with um, a team of scientists. But then, when we were sort of, when it was going through a commercial gallery, and they were like, "Well, what's the archival quality of the pigment?" And I
2: was like, <laughs> "Not
0: good."
3: I was
5: like, "I don't know. Yeah. It's a new pigment made yeah. from mutants, it's, so
2: I yeah. don't know." That's about as new as new art gets, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: the, the, no, some research came out this week though, saying that um, these guys had done measurements on the survivability of DNA on re-entry oh. into the atmosphere. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. could say, "Well, if it can survive that, I'm sure yeah. your gallery is fine." You <laughs> might be, you yeah, push it back. Um, Um, The the last question I have is just regarding this is a research program that we have here, and there's a lot of research, you know, done on the way people interact with art and, and, you know, what that experience is, how the art changes according to the the visitor, all these various things. I mean, this sort of work must really change some of those research angles that people take because, as you say, it's, it's a living, breathing, changing thing and person number one and person number 200 see completely different pieces of work. I mean, how has does, how does that sort of changed the way... Were you, you think?
5: I think that it's I mean it's always connected back into the long history of art as well and particularly sort of you know the work from the 1960s and 70s it was really based on this kinds of process so for mm. me I do consider the I, the audience very much and also the meaning yeah. that they'll take away and for me a lot of it is about duration the fact that you know we want instant satisfaction all of the time mm. but in biology you know you need to wait for the organism to grow mm, you can't yeah. rush things you have to actually um, you know let, let let nature take its mm. course and sort Mm. of, you know, go along with it. And so I think that's what I want people to also understand, that Mm -hmm. it's not all instant.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds fabulous. Um, Folks, if you want to get along and see the exhibition, it is on, you've got plenty of time, it's on until the 21st of February, but given this one's growing, might be worth seeing it a couple of times. Yeah, several times. Seeing it early. Um, Experimental Recharge, the 6th International Biennial of Media Art, and it's on at the RMOT Gallery, which is just down there on Swanson Street. So get along. Uh, Spend your crats. Thank you very much for coming in and talking about this fascinating project. Thank you so much. And good luck with your flight today, getting home. We had to squeeze you in before you had to catch your plane.
2: Free Triple R.
0: Hey, we did get a call, though, uh, and um, one of our lovely listeners uh, reminded me that uh, the Orion spacecraft launch is occurring this week for NASA. Mm-hmm. That's the big one. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, you know, the new deep space. Anyway, don't get me too excited. I'm still I'm still coming down off the Star Wars promo. Um, we do have a guest in the studio, though. We have Dr. Michelle Veldsman. She is a postdoctoral research fellow in the Stroke Division at the Flory Institute of Neuroscience and Mental Health. Welcome, Michelle. How are you?
4: Hi, thank you. Thanks for having
0: me. It's great to have you in. Now, we got you in because um, you were involved in something called a Wiki bomb earlier, yeah. uh, about just over a week ago now. Tell us a bit about what, first of all, what is a Wiki bomb?
4: Yeah, a wiki bomb is um a term I guess that uh, came up we came up with because wiki editathon was didn't really roll off the tongue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but basically it's a collection of people who come together to um edit Wikipedia. Um, okay. and to create pages. Um it usually has a sort of theme. Um our theme was Australian women of neuroscience <laughs> um because there really weren 't very many pages dedicated to these women who are doing incredible mm. incredible things
0: now is this is this a problem across the board in terms of women in science or is it just neuroscience that you 're seeing it
4: it's actually um, it's a problem across the board on wikipedia um, in science in general in neuroscience um, also mm-hmm. um, so one of the things on wikipedia is that uh, only th- Less than fifteen percent of the editors are female. Is that right? Yes, Jesus it is. Low. Yeah, and mm. we're talking about sort of seventy-three thousand active editors, so only uh, yeah, less than fifteen percent female, and they think that this creates a bias in the in the articles on Wikipedia. Um, so women tend to be underrepresented as entries on the site as well. Um, and then, of course, this is really a problem in science. Generally, women mm. are underrepresented mm. in all kinds of aspects, mm. from their sort of senior levels. Um, to yeah just their the, the entries on the, on wikipedia yeah.
0: I mean presumably a lot of the editors you speak of are self-editing their own pages as well so you'd have to assume that some of those those people are you know if the, if 85% of them are men yeah. then you know <laughs> if they're editing their own pages mm-hmm. not to be, you know self-important or anything yeah. um <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> you know that that sort of that will skew the result no matter what so yeah. so tell us about what you you or did because um, okay. there was a whole group of you doing this, and and I mean, what was the goal of the day?
4: Well, and um, we had quite a few goals. So one of one of the goals was really just to um, to promote these exceptional women. Um, mm. You know, Wikipedia is the sixth most access site in the world. It has five hundred million unique visitors every um, yep. every month so it's an incredible platform um to showcase these women um and in doing that it's a, it's sort of um quite inspirational for the for the women who are creating the pages um it's really important to have these um figures that people can look up to you know as a junior mm. scientist myself it's it's great to see these women who've achieved yeah, all of this absolutely. so yeah the the main goal really was just promoting these excellent women
2: Hmm. So you were um, presumably having to add quite a lot of stuff that was missing or or, or incomplete, I suppose. Did you find um, a lot of factual error or misguided information?
4: Um, not really, actually. So Wikipedia actually does have a, a huge community that's, yeah. that's really on top of these things. Um, a lot of the pages we created were new, um, so uh, we were we were getting all the information um, just from you know academic institution mm-hmm. websites, things like the Australian Academy of Science. Um, so I think it, it does help to have other scientists doing it because you know we, we've got a good idea of, of the
2: yeah
4: um, accuracy of the information and the vibe. Mm. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Can, can you give
0: us, Michelle a couple of Examples of maybe prominent people that we would, you know, potentially expect already have pages yeah. that you had to produce pages for?
4: Well, Ingrid Sheff is um, a yeah. really good... Get that, crazy that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? She was yeah. just on
0: the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, oh, so, really? if you missed it, folks, you know, won the Prime Minister's Prize. In fact,
2: yeah. I'll, I'll do better than that. I think we, you should, should go back in, find the, the information you've added for Ingrid, and then put a link to the podcast from her on this show. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: just so it's current. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Well, that's extraordinary. Isn't it? Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, yeah. and it, it just amazes me that it was up to you guys to actually sort this. This house. I yeah. mean, isn't there someone in? You know, not to be rude, but isn't there someone in the PM's office who didn't check that there's a Wikipedia site for this yeah. person we just gave an award for?
4: Yeah, I know. Uh, it's well, extraordinary. Is it. It, yeah. it is. Yeah, and there, there were so many exceptional women like this who you know achieved so much in their careers and who have really contributed to science. And yeah, they just they just get overlooked. Yeah.
0: Did you create the page for yourself while you were
4: there? I did. Awesome. Know. Why uh, not?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I okay, think. Look, you can see they these. You can see these two ladies here, yeah. Andrea and Lauren. They're just, you know, they're just is writing down your you details. Yeah. You are still for each other, right? You're yeah. to for yourself, but someone else doesn't for you. Yeah.
4: Nothing wrong with some self-promotion. Yeah.
0: Lauren's got five Wikipedia pages, <laughs> all with slightly different spelling of her name. Just. <laughs> Just in case people, you know. Yeah, some people, there's typos here and there. You've got to be sure that yeah. you land in the right place. Well, I think it's it's great. Is there a plan to continue this activity? Because, yeah. uh, you know, you managed to produce a certain number. How many was that? 18 pages, 18 I think. 18 pages, That's yeah. a good effort. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about small amounts of information either. It's, yeah. a, it's a lot of work to create one of it these It is. Things. It's
4: a lot of work, yeah. Mm. Um, and people loved it. People really, really enjoyed it. One of the things uh, that people realise is that Wikipedia is not difficult to edit. Yeah. Mm. um so we've I think we've created a lot of new um editors yeah. and we've also inspired one in Emory University in Atlanta they're going to be running oh, a similar one great so, great well hopefully yeah,
0: this will spread great. spread like uh, like Twitter
1: so <laughs> <laughs> long so have you let these the scientists know that the people that you did make pages for are they aware now that they actually exist on Wikipedia
4: they are yes yeah. so we um we actually had two of the women um join us on the day right. and we had the person who was creating her page for a readout her page like a sort of autobiography Wow. like a biography it was great wow. really inspiring
0: story. no that's fantastic well michelle thanks for coming in and talking about this stuff and uh, we at some stage we'll get you back in to talk about your research because you're doing some interesting work yeah. in terms of um stroke and dementia so we don't have yeah, time that's... today but we will get you back in to, to chat about that but good luck with this um wiki bomb and hopefully there's more of them yeah um because you know those numbers i mean we hear bad numbers about women in science all the time but 85 yeah. percent and 15 percent—that that is just gutting that's yeah. you know we're to fix that up. So, um, yeah, good luck. Thanks for coming in. We'll thanks, talk, thanks talk to me. you again soon. Um, folks, that was uh, Dr. Michelle Veltman. She's a postdoctoral research fellow in the Stroke Division at the Florey Institute of Neuroscience and Mental Health.
2: Three triple oh.
0: Jesus. It's, uh, it's very exciting here in the studio. Uh, Andrea has come in with all the gossip about the uh, oncoming Southern Oscillation Index changes, which are just uh, extraordinary. I get excited.
3: Well, Interestingly, actually, the Southern Oscillation Index hasn't changed too much in the last three months. What? Sorry. (laughs) But a few other things have. Um, You may have heard during the week um, we uh, updated our seasonal climate outlook for the summer. And we also issued um, the uh, El nino um, watch, or I can't remember what we call it, but um we've updated the El Nino watch to an alert. Um, so that means that we're now looking at um, around a seventy percent chance of seeing an El Nino develop. Now I've been to I think I've spoken about this mm. probably the last two or three times that I've been in here, and there has been a lot of uncertainty about you know what was actually going to happen. Um, but over the last couple of months, um, we've really seen, as I said, the Southern Oscillation Index, um, it's remained below 7, um, so negative below negative 7 um, for the past three months. So that's actually quite a good indicator of um, El Nino. Um, but what hasn't happened is that the atmosphere hasn't sort of been in line with the oceans. Okay. Um, so we have seen, um, I guess, the cloudiness. Um, near the dateline uh, and the trade winds have been basically close to average so not really showing El Nino conditions at all um, but we have started to see um, a weakening of the trade winds so it, it's basically starting to suggest that over the next couple of months the atmosphere actually may come into line mm. and that's why the Bureau has upped um, the the you know the watch status to an alert status instead.
1: I have a silly question Andrea the tra- I've always wondered this the trade winds mm. where, where did that name actually come from was that from sorry off topic, but what <laughs> does that mean?
3: No, well, the trade. Um, I think it's to do with basically the trade coming across from um, the, the eastern side of the Pacific okay. to the western. So, it west so, so yeah. refers to
1: winds going from east, east to, to west. west.
3: That's right. And so, oh, when yeah, the so when the trade winds are stronger, that you know they'd get across um, from the eastern side of the Pacific much faster um, to the western side, and, and vice versa. If they're having to go back the other way, mm. they'd prefer the weaker trade winds. And the trade winds actually um, cause the water, the uh, basically a up of water on the western side of the Pacific, mm. so actually the water on our side of the Pacific is higher um, than on the eastern side. So yeah, let's say a few few rolls there. <laughs> yeah, fascinating.
0: Mm. And so is there is there normally a delay between what's happening in the oceans and the atmosphere? Is there like a, a you know a lag time there? Yeah, look, common? there's
3: always a little bit of a lag, but probably not to the extent that we've seen this time round. We've mm. only seen a con- this sort of situation happen once in the past, mm. um, and the El Nino did develop then. Um, but it's been a very interesting one to to watch unfold. Um, some, um, I think it was some of the American um, organisations came out very very early. It may have even been the South American um, very early this year, saying it was going to be a hugely strong El Nino, and oh, really? everyone just went into panic. Hmm. Um, we were hmm. a lot more cautious and said, "No, hang on, let's wait and see." And and sometimes you know you do. I guess cop a little bit of crap for mm. hanging back, but really, at the end of the day, you want to get the science mm. right, yeah. and you don't want yeah. people to be panicking, which is exactly what happened at agricultural industry mm. um you know we've heard um, from them that they would rather us actually not focus on El Nino or La Nina. Because of the impacts that it has for them, and because there are so many other atmospheric and oceanographic influences that influence yeah. our yeah. Um, our climate, but um, I guess the main thing to th- that you know we 're looking at now is that we 've already seen like El Nino-type conditions over the last few months, you know, large areas, particularly Western Victoria, um, are really suffering deficiencies from water. Um, and as a result of that, um, the Bushfire CRC um, has actually updated their seasonal bushfire outlook. This comes out in September. Um, it's a um, basically a collaborative product from all the different um, fire agencies around the world, uh, around Australia, I should say, um, and the Bureau's involved in that as well. Um And this year they've actually... So it came out in September and they've actually updated that in November and that's never happened before. Right. And the reason that they've updated it is because conditions in South Australia, Victoria and Tasmania have been a lot worse um, over the last sort of two months as far as mm. rainfall deficiencies. Mm. Um. So basically now Victoria is almost completely... Um, Covered as far as um, potential bushfire. So we're above mm. average now for potential bushfire potential for this yeah. summer. It's
0: interesting. So, I mean, one of the things I always try and do at the end of the the year's show, because we don't broadcast this program in January, is a big shout out to the CFA guys because, you know, yeah. at this point in time, we forget they're there. Yeah. Um, but in January, January, we'll certainly be thankful that they uh, are. Absolutely. And, and you know, having been, and I love this phrase, an
2: embedded meteorologist. <laughs> I wondered if you'd like, remember.
3: <laughs> again, stuck in a
2: tree but um, you know we fire her out of a doesn't it yeah, well, oh, I've got a bit of an embedded meteorologist
0: <laughs> <laughs> we fire her out of a cannon and she, she got stuck in a tree <laughs> But, you know, it is it is actually a really big deal that we have these people, oh, yeah. you know, giving their time up and, mm-hmm. and, and, and potentially their safety as well. I mean, yeah, that's that's not, right. it's not an easy thing. And, no. um, you know, it sounds like um, we won't have to wait long to, to mm. see that, that effort coming to the
4: fore.
3: Oh, look, probably not. I mean, as I said, we've already suffered, you know huge rainfall deficiencies in Victoria um, mm. and the outlook for December to February is particularly for the eastern parts of the state where we have a lot of forest yep. um, that, you know, we're basically that's that's the main area we're expecting below average rainfall and and then in the west of the state where we've had none, we're so dry mm. and that's where the grass fires are and they run so fast, um, so with the above average temperatures that we're expecting, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a really it's a time where, you know, a lot Warren was saying before, she lives in Warrandyte and, mm. you know, she's got to have her bushfire um, prepare, preparedness um, already. And so, yeah, definitely just, you mm. know, re- reminding people that you know, as we come into Christmas, mm. start getting prepared now because, yeah, we're looking at much warmer and
1: yeah. dry. And yeah. I think the thing is, too, I mean, like, for where we live, you know, this is just, it's just second nature to us. We're always prepared and we always have our plan in place. But I think there's a lot of people in some of these other suburbs that don't realise they're at big risk of grass fires. So, you know, I think everyone should have a think about where they live and what they need to do. And to we prepare. did have some really big grass fires mm. just to the north of yes. um, Melbourne in the summer just now. Yeah.
3: So, mm. yeah, it definitely needs to be on right on people's radar. Yeah. Mm. And as
0: we said earlier, that that sort of... Bit of rain, bit of heat. It means the fuel load goes right up and and dries out very quickly when there's no more rain. That's it.
3: And look, we've had a couple of really big rain events over the last mm. month or so, where we've had you know forty millimeters in in twenty four hours. And prior to that, it was twenty millimeters, and that was the first time in over a yeah. year we'd had twenty millimeters. Mm. Um, but yeah, all it does is just makes the fuel grow, mm. and then we get these hot you know, week or so, and it's just dried out. Yep. So, it's yep. yeah, it's definitely not holding the water.
0: Well, Andrea, thank you for that update. And, Sorry um, for the doom and gloom. No, no, you know, this interesting. Um, um I don't know we'd be able to convince you to come back for our final show for the year. Oh, maybe. Jeez, <laughs> oh. oh, it's going to be a campaign. So mysterious. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Usually it's a campaign of <laughs> no. emails from me
2: to get Andrea to come in. She's so busy with the weather. Um, Look, I think you'll find that even if you come into the studio, the weather will still be there. <laughs>
4: yes, it, it, yes, it, yes, it, it, it go <laughs> will.
2: Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Lauren, great
0: to see you. Pleasure. And Chris KP, as always, a pleasure.
2: Oh, that's very sweet of you. I know. I don't normally say <laughs> that. Normally give you it. a bit
0: uh, Liv's been pushing our buttons over there on the Twitter feed and things are going right off. Uh, I'm very excited about that. I've been tweeting more than normal. My thumbs, i got a couple of calluses. <laughs> <laughs> Now, we're going to hand over in a minute to the team from Eat It. A big hello to Cam over there because he's been talking up bloody cherries for the last Ooh. few weeks, and I, I succumbed to his advice this morning. Even though they were dear as sin, I grabbed a handful. He keeps saying, just grab a handful, you'll be in heaven. Well, mate, I'm going to go have and try them. They better be bloody good or I'm coming you <laughs> next week. You've been listening to Einstein the Go Go. I'm Dr. Shane. Remember, science is everywhere, and we have a few shows to go for the year, so we'll be talking to you again next week. Enjoy this sunny